Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, a very warm welcome to you, especially if you're a guest here this morning, if it's the first time in a long time uh, that you've come along. It's great to have you with us as we come to worship the Lord together. And um, as, we, as we do that, we're, we're thinking about uh, starting a, a new sermon series uh, today, a sermon series on the work of the Holy Spirit. We worship uh, one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we're going to see in four different ways in which he works in our lives over the next four Sundays. How he transforms, purifies, empowers, and assures, assures us. Ultimately, that we would lead more, more godly lives. Um, that we would lead lives which are both good and pleasing to God as we seek to bring him glory. And then secondly, we have some, some wonderful good news. Uh, the arrival of a new little baby. Um, so the regulars of the church, Matty and Christabel, are pleased to announce the birth of little Florence. So congratulations to them. Um, both mum, dad and baby are doing very well. So uh, as a church, we're going to serve them in the next couple of weeks or so, uh, seek to give them to meal, give them meals as we seek to, to love and take care of them as well. And that really links with what we've been thinking about over the past few weeks, honestly. It's serving one another. Uh, we've just finished a series on Nehemiah, uh, on regathering and rebuilding. And we're thinking about serving others in the new season of ministry. And so, as you see there on the slides, uh, if you're not serving yet, if you're not involved in service, uh, let me encourage you uh, to do so. Um, you see there uh, from the slide different uh, areas of, of need. So contact is our ministry to those um, in later life. Uh, then you have the tech team, uh, which allows us to do all the things that we do, both in a Sunday morning and in September and the Sunday evening as well. Uh, Sarah's looking for people to help with the finance just throughout the year. And Nathan's looking for, for volunteers to help uh, both in Sunday mornings, but also throughout the week as well in various youth uh, ministries. As I say, if you're not serving yet, please let me encourage you to, to prayerfully consider uh, doing that, to join a team that we would seek to build one another up in love. As we think about this morning's uh, message, we think about uh, being transformed. And, and in Romans 8, the text we'll be looking at, this verse, verse 5 and 6, it speaks about the difference between living in the flesh and being led by the Spirit. It says this in Romans 8, 5 and 6, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your gracious goodness to us in our Lord Jesus. We thank you that you've taken us out of the world of the flesh and brought us into the world of the Spirit, that we would live by the Spirit. We pray that you would help us, Lord, to worship you this morning, that we would, we'd have life and peace as we come to worship you. And we pray that you would help us. And Father God, we, we thank you for our children here in the church family. We pray that you would bless them as they learn something of you this morning, that they would see that you are their help and that you, they would be transformed to live for you. Uh, we pray, Lord, for, for Bethany as she uh, reads the word this morning. We pray that you would help her to do that clearly and powerfully, that we would be touched by your word to us. And we pray for Neil as he preaches. 
May uh, his words be your words. May we be uh, struck by them and transformed by them as we hear them in the power of the Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. And now we're going to uh, hear Bethan as she uh, brings the reading to us this morning. The reading today is from Romans chapter 8, verse 1 to 11. Life through the Spirit. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Those who live according to the flesh have their mind set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their mind set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but in the realm of the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his Spirit who lives in you. Morning everybody, thanks uh, for reading for us Bethan. Let us pray as we come to God's word. Jesus said, when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. Father, we do pray that for us this morning. We thank you that the spirit is here with us. And we pray that he would now guide us into the truth, that he would uh, help us to see clearly, help us to see Christ in all his glory. We pray that he would reveal our hearts to us. And we pray that he would change us from within to make us more into the likeness of Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Well, I think um, most people would accept that there was a person called Jesus Christ who lived on this earth 2,000 years ago. They may not accept that he was God. They may think he was just maybe a a good teacher or um, like the Muslims, that he was a prophet but um, they may not deny his existence. Many people also relate to the concept of God as a divine father who provides for and and protects his people just as a human father would do. But what about the Holy Spirit? I think he's harder for many people, even Christians, to, to understand. For other religions like Islam or the Jehovah's Witnesses, he, he's a force, um, he's an agent. But the Bible clearly teaches that the Holy Spirit is a person who, together with the Father and the Son, makes up the Trinity, the Godhead, 
that he's always existed. And he's always been in a loving relationship with the Father and the Son. So what is his role? And uh, how is that different from that of the Father and the Son? What difference does he make to, to my life? Well, if you're a Christian, then the Spirit has been and continues to be at work in your life. The question is, are you aware of him? I do pray this series will give you a greater understanding of him, which will lead to a greater confidence in him and a greater desire to see him at work in your life. Over the next uh, few weeks, as uh, Colin mentioned, we're going to be looking at four of the uh, Spirit's most important roles, the fact that he transforms us, he purifies us, he empowers us, and he assures us. And this morning we're going to be looking at the first of those, and the fact that it's the Holy Spirit who transforms us. Now, if you are a Christian already, I wonder if you can think back to your life before you became a Christian. For some people, you may not actually be able to recall a time when you, you didn't follow Jesus. For others, it may have been a more dramatic conversion. But at some point for all of us, even if it was when we were a young child, there was a time when we didn't belong to Jesus and a time when we did. And the cause of that change was the Holy Spirit. It was he who transformed our lives. So in what way did he do that? How are we different now from how we were when we are not a Christian? It's important to fully appreciate this change that has taken place in our lives and the fact that it was by God's grace that that's happened, his undeserved loving kindness. Because when we do so, we can enjoy the freedom, we can enjoy the privilege of belonging to Christ and we can live greater lives of thankfulness and peace. And if you're not yet a Christian, I hope as you listen this morning that it will give you a greater understanding of the, the difference that, uh, that Christ could make to, to your life. Well, our passage this morning in Romans 8 uh, mentions four ways in which the Holy Spirit transforms us. And first of all, he transforms us by giving us life and freedom. Look at the opening verses of that chapter of Romans 8. It starts with wonderful words of assurance. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Jesus Christ. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. This is where we see all the three members of the Trinity working together for our salvation. We've got the Father who who sends his own son as, as a human being to be a sin offering for us. Through his death, Jesus takes the punishment that we deserve for our sin, for our hostility towards God. And he enables us to be free from sin and death. He frees us from our futile attempts to try and keep the law in our own strength, to try and make ourselves right with God, because he does that all for us. But it's the Spirit who causes us to be born again, so that we can see in our hearts how we've rejected God, and how we need to turn in repentance to him and seek his forgiveness. As Jesus said to the Jewish leader Nicodemus, he said, No one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. A technical term for this is regeneration. And we cannot become a Christian without the initial work of the spirit within us. It's by God's grace. 
We see an example of that in the book of Acts. So when the Apostle Paul goes to Philippi, he starts preaching to a group of uh, women gathered by the river on the edge of the, uh, the city. And we're told that there was a woman called Lydia who was listening to him. And then it says there that the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message, the message of the gospel of forgiveness in Jesus Christ. It was the work of the Spirit that caused her to respond to that message. Now, you may listen to a, a sermon at some point and be, be actually powerfully impacted by what you heard, by the God speaking to you. I just wonder why your, your friend sat next to you who, who was not a Christian. Just remain totally unmoved by it all. Well, the Spirit has to open our hearts to enable us to respond to the gospel. And that should be what we pray for in the lives of those who don't yet know Jesus Christ. Back in Romans 8, uh, it describes the change in our lives that the Spirit brings. In verse 6, it says that the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. If we are living as we were meant to live and designed to live by the one who created us, then we can be assured that we are living life to the full. We don't need to live a life of regrets. If only I'd done this or or not done that, we can experience the peace that comes from being given spiritual life. Of course, our bodies in this age will still be subject to death, as it says here in verse 10, because we're part of a sinful and fallen humanity. And death is a, a tragic thing that separates us from our loved ones. Many of, us, many of us will have experienced that, particularly in the last couple of years when we've lost many of our, our church family members. But because the Spirit gives life, we can rest assured that death is not the end. Look at verse 11. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his Spirit who lives in you. It means we will, we will also one day receive resurrection bodies, just as Jesus did. That's a wonderful thing to look forward to, isn't it? Particularly if uh, uh, we're experiencing the pain, the frustration of bodies that are aging and no longer working as they, as they once did. And the great thing about that day will be not just that our new resurrection bodies will no longer be subject to decay, but they will also be no longer under the influence of sin. No longer will we need to cry out in frustration, as Paul did in, in chapter 7. Look, look at look at your Bibles there, verse 22 of chapter 7. Paul writes, For in my inner being I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind, making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God, who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. What Christ has already achieved in his victory over sin and death, our redemption will be complete when he comes again. The Spirit transforms us by giving us life and freedom. And secondly, the Spirit transforms us by taking away our hostility to God. Now you might think, well, I've, I've never been hostile to God. I might not have been a Christian. Um, but I've never lived a particularly immoral life. I've never been an atheist. Well, this passage says that there are only two ways of living. You can live according to the flesh, or you can live according to the spirit. 
And look at the contrast that's described there in verse 5 to 8 between these two ways of living. It says, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. To live according to the flesh is not um, about living a sexually immoral life. It's living according to our natural sinful desires uh, as human beings, which are basically to have our minds set on pleasing ourselves and fulfilling our desires. We decide for ourselves what our, our goals in life are going to be, what we want to achieve. We organize our lives, our diaries. We spend our, our money around what brings us pleasure and happiness. We make friends with people we like and who, who like us. We determine the values uh, according to which we're going to live our lives. And many of those things may be good because we've been made in the image of God. And so there's something of good of God in each one of us. If we've been brought up in a Christian home, for example, we will have learnt about Christian values and seen them modelled and will have taken them on in our own lives, maybe even without realising it. So what then is the difference between living in the flesh and according to the spirit? You know, I get it if someone's life is totally immoral, but what if their life is not actually that much different from a Christian's? Well, the difference is who are we seeking to please? Who are we seeking to glorify? Who is determining our decisions and our behavior? Is it us or is it God? If it's us, it's us. And however well-intentioned we may be, the whole focus of our lives is in the wrong place. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Whereas if we are living according to the flesh, we are loving ourselves instead of God. It doesn't also necessarily mean we like ourselves, but we, we're wrapped up in our own desires and worries. And what that therefore means, however harsh it may sound, is that we are hostile to God. We don't submit to his law. We, we cannot please him. But the good news is that although we in ourselves are powerless to change, the Holy Spirit is able to transform us. As he breathes new life into us, he replaces that hostility towards God with a faith in God and a love for God. And when God looks at us, he now sees the righteousness of Christ and is pleased with us. Well, not only does the Spirit transform us through rescuing us and making us pleasing to God, he then comes to live in us. Look at verse 9 there. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. The Spirit is not like a, a sort of surgeon who comes in and performs an operation on you and then leads you to get on with your own recovery and your own lives. The Spirit transforms us and remains with us. He makes his home in us. In the Old Testament, we see uh, the Spirit work, but quite selectively in individuals and different tasks. But the prophets spoke of a time when God would pour out his Spirit on all his people which is what happened on the day of Pentecost. 
And since then, he's a gift to all Christians when they put their faith in Jesus Christ. We feel comforted and encouraged that whatever we go through, he is there with us. He doesn't just pop up like a superman when we're in trouble. He's our constant companion. And you may wonder, well, if the Spirit is in us, well, what does it mean then when it says Christ is in us in verse 10? Well, the Spirit, as it says in the previous verse, is the Spirit of Christ and the Spirit of God. Uh, the, Spirit is, the, Spirit, uh, the Spirit is the Spirit of God the Father and the Spirit of God the Son. And so to say the Spirit is in us is also to say Christ is in us in that way. That's why when Christ gave his disciples the Great Commission to, to go into the old world and make disciples before he ascended to heaven, he also promised, he says, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Christ is with us. By his spirit. That's why also before Jesus left this earth, he says to his disciples, he said, and I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. It was a passage we looked at last year in lockdown and which I trust has been an encouragement to you uh, during these challenging times that we've been through. If the Spirit is with us, then what that also means, as it says in verse 9, that is that you are in the realm of the Spirit. In other words, you are under the, the power and influence of the Spirit. Imagine if Jesus were living on this earth today, and he said, um, look, I'd like to come and visit your home, I'd like to come and stay with you for a while. I guess at one level that would be really exciting, wouldn't it? But maybe at another level you might feel a bit intimidated by that, that he would uh, see you as you are, as you live your life, warts and all. Well, the thing is that Jesus is already living with you by his spirit. He, he can see everything you do. He knows everything that you are thinking. But that shouldn't fill us with shame or or guilt because, as we saw earlier, we've been made right with God. We're considered holy in his sight. So what he's focused on now is helping us to grow in purity, which would be what we want if if we have the Spirit living in us. Previously, we were in the realm of the flesh, under the power of sinful human nature, thinking we were in control, but in reality, being tossed and turned and influenced by the ways of the world but now the spirit has broken that influence and freed us to love and to serve christ so if you're not aware of the spirit's influence over your life in in the choices you make the way you live your life then something is not quite right if you're not aware of that ongoing change in your life don't ignore the spirit don't grieve him but enjoy fellowship with him The Holy Spirit living in us means he should be changing the desires of our hearts and making us more like Jesus. And we'll be looking more at that over the coming weeks. But finally, the Spirit transforms us by enabling us to belong to Jesus Christ. As it says in verse 9, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. Implication being that if you do have the Spirit, which we all do if we're Christians, then if, if he is in you, then you do belong to Christ. One of the hardest things I think people experience in this life is to feel that they do not belong. 
or do not fit in. That people around them do not understand them, don't appreciate them. We all in some way want to to belong. Um, We want to have people who love us, who value us, respective of what we are able to to do or, or contribute. And that's exactly the case with Christ. We are loved, not because of anything we have done to earn that love, but because we belong to him. We've been redeemed by him. Isaiah chapter 43 sums this up well. It starts by saying, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I've summoned you by name. You are mine. And it goes on to say, because we are his, because we belong to him, therefore, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, uh, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Saviour. It's a wonderful privilege to belong to God. And the consequence is, is it will make us feel that we are strangers in this world, that we don't really belong in this world. But our home that's been prepared for us in heaven is going to be far greater than anything this world can offer. God's love is far greater than any human love that we will experience. And Paul brings together these two ideas of uh, the spirit dwelling in us and us belonging to, to Christ in 1 Corinthians 6 when he says this. He says, do you, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you? whom you've received from God, you are not to your own. You are bought at a price. Therefore, honour God with your bodies. The price with which we were bought was the death of Christ on our behalf. The price that he paid for our life and our freedom, where he took our sin and we received his righteousness. When we think of people being bought, it's usually for the selfish ends of, of the buyer, as it was in the 18th century slave trade, and still is the case today with sex trafficking and that goes on. But when you are bought by someone so that you can be freed from slavery, slavery in which you used to live, someone who will lavish their love on you, that is something very different. You don't mind belonging to someone like that. Although people don't want to be owned by others, they do want to belong. They want to have those who are there for them and who are concerned for them. And that is the wonderful thing about belonging to God. If we are his, then he promises to look after us. And that belonging to God brings an amazing security then with it. With it. So a security that enables us to be at peace in our struggles, a peace even in the face of death, when we know we're going to be with him forever well as we uh, come to an end before we take the Lord's Supper together it's easy for the things we looked at this morning just to be those sort of sermon headings that we gloss over and move on quickly but these are wonderful truths which would be good to, to meditate on more over this coming week the Holy Spirit gives us life and freedom he takes away Our hostility to God, he makes us friends with God. He comes to live in us. And he enables us to belong to God. And the reason we enjoy all these privileges has nothing to do with us, 
but all down to the work of the Holy Spirit who works hand in hand with the Father and the Son. His blessings are only possible because of what Jesus did on the cross for us when he gave his life so that we might have life and have it to the full. That's what we're going to celebrate in just a moment. But let's pray and sing again before we do that. Let's pray. Father God, we do thank you for the Holy Spirit who has transformed us from those who are living their lives their way, thinking they were somehow in control of all that was going on. But under the influence of of the world and our sinful human natures, Thank you that he freed us from all of that, that he helped us to respond to the gospel message of of life and freedom in Christ. Thank you that he made known to us the salvation that is available in Jesus Christ. And thank you that he now lives in us, he continues to change us, and thank you that he enables us to belong to Jesus Christ. And we thank you for that belonging, we thank you that in that belonging we feel secure, we feel at peace. And we know that you will never abandon us. You will never leave us nor forsake us. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, And now we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper uh, together. It's a sober reminder, as what we've just heard, of what Jesus has done for us in paying for our sins in full, in taking us from a place of hopelessness and eternal destruction to a place of eternal joy and peace, that we would know that. And this is done by the, by the power of the Spirit, that we would receive that in our lives and he would transform our lives, that we would live not according to the flesh, but according to to the spirit and yet perhaps as we look back on the past week or so we think and ask ourselves the question have we been living have we been led by the spirit in how we've lived our lives or have we been walking in the flesh it's a time perhaps to reflect upon that as we come to communion and even confess those moments when we've been doing that because at the wonderful same time the Lord extends his hands to us. He extends his hands of mercy to us and invites us to eat with him, that we would receive forgiveness and mercy, all because of what he's done on the cross in paying for our sins in full. And as we remember what Christ has done for us, we, we get a taste of the peace and the joy that he offers us as we will share a banquet meal with him in heaven one day. And so this is a a meal for followers of Jesus, for those who have uh, repented of their sin and trusted in Jesus Christ alone uh, for the forgiveness of their sins. But perhaps that's not true of you this morning. Uh, you've, You've yet to do that. You've yet to trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Well, let me perhaps encourage you to to take this time to reflect upon that, what that would mean for you. So don't be embarrassed to just let the, the symbols of the bread and the wine just pass you by as you reflect on that. Uh, let me invite uh, the servers to, to come and, and distribute the, the bread and the wine. 
so once you once you have them uh, you have these so please uh, pull off the, the top layer and pull out the wafer and then uh, peel off the second layer to open the container of juice uh, once you have them then just uh, hold them and we'll take them together As the Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 11, The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's eat together. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's drink together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of your son. We thank you that by his body broken for us and his blood shed for us, that we can experience life, joy, and peace. We thank you that you've given us your spirit, and he testifies of that in our hearts, that we would be able to rejoice uh, with all your people, rejoice in what we have in our Lord Jesus. We pray that you would help us, Lord, by the power of your spirit to live a transformed life this week as we seek to live for your glory and our good. In Jesus' name, amen.